For the final part of our interview series with Ryan Payton, we continue our discussion around why the original Shenmue game did not capture the mainstream audience that it was intended for upon release. We also delve much deeper into the development of Shenmue 3 and discuss the future of the franchise going forward. I do have a, another set of congratulations for you. You seem to be sweeping up awards left, right and centre for Iron Man VR uh, with um, oh, Play, PlayStation Blog and PlayStation Universe's best best VR game. So congratulations again. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a nice surprise for the team. Um, we didn't win best VR from the Game Awards, but we were nominated and we were amongst some really, really strong candidates. Um, we also won best, uh, we, we, won, we won Game of the Year from a, the biggest PlayStation VR community out there called PSVR Without Parole. Oh, wow. Uh, we, uh, yeah, that was over the weekend. And yeah, it was a really great thing for the team to to see as they're going out on their holiday break. Yeah, it's a nice, nice booster for them, I imagine. I watched the Game Awards, actually, and they were very complimentary of IMM VR. Certainly the, the things I saw on Twitter and social media are very complimentary of it. So even though, unfortunately, you didn't, you didn't win it, I think there's there's a lot more people aware of of, the, of Iron Man VR and 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 sort of your studio now. Actually, I think you, I think that'd be that'd be really really good for you coming into yeah, the new year. Yeah, I actually look at it as a as a victory for for VR in general. Mm. Uh, because if you look at the the other uh, nominees, it's a, it was a strong year. And then on top of all of that, you had uh, Half Life Alex, uh, which seems to be doing pretty well in sales. Uh, it was. It won the game of the year or the VR game of the year from Game Awards, and uh, I think it's a really in it one game of the year, not even like VR game of the year, just straight up game of the year from GameSpot. Uh, so that was, uh, I think, like a good. I think this is a big milestone for VR. No other VR game has ever won an award that big in no, the history of the game industry. It, it's testament to the to the improvement in just quality of vr and the way it's been executed now i think it's it's really taking on a life of its own it's becoming a lot more popular and the quality is just it's skyrocketed actually i think over the yes, last yeah. two, sort of two to three years especially and I can, I can i can only see it going going further upwards shall we say yes yeah so that's that's a super positive thing that that gets me really really happy for the future really excited for the future I, and me when i pick up vr eventually it's on the list. It's on the, Christ- it's on the Christmas list. I don't think I'm getting it. I don't think I've been good this year, but we'll <laughs> we'll leave that there. I think. Yeah. What's up with Santa, man? I will. I'll talk. I'll, I'll talk to him and see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Santa, give me a VR set. Right. <laughs> I'm. I'm going to dive in to where we left things last time, and I had a listen to to what we were talking about in terms of why why we think Shenmue it didn't necessarily captivate or capture the audience that it may have hoped to and i put it to put to put it to the forums actually and i've got some very interesting answers out of it um hmm. one user uh, his name's hm johnny I, and i'm going to quote the users and they're not my ideas these are things they've come out sure, with sure. um was very similar to your line of thinking actually in terms of there was as you put it not enough red meat on on in the game he, he said that he felt while he enjoyed Shenmue 1 itself, that the, the pacing was too slow, uh, there wasn't enough action, the lack of waiting system hurt it. So that was a, sort of very much aligned with what, what you were saying to me previously. Mm. And it, it raised the question in my mind, and it's something that sort of come up sort of periodically over time, I think, is 
Do you think the series itself is judged on the flaws of the first game so people didn't get beyond Shenmue 1 to see what would be considered as a, as a matter of sort of opinion that Shenmue 2, which obviously is much more action-packed and is considered the better game, do you think it's judged on those, on the flaws of the first game solely or do you think it's beyond that? Well, if you would have asked me, Matt, that question a year and a half ago before I played I replayed the series via the Shenmue 1 and 2 HD collection. Yeah. I I probably would have said, yeah, I think it was unfairly criticized or uh, or that its weaknesses were uh, uh, heavily weighted towards the first game. Um, and that it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that the second game didn't uh, you know, get the, the credit that it deserved because it did address a lot of a lot of the issues from the from the first game. But now having played Shenmue 2 recently, I was actually surprised how cumbersome it was. Uh, and and how it just there are moments where you're like, what am I supposed to do? And I'm supposed to just follow this guy around, you know, the town. And um, it just, yeah, my recollection of it was that it was a much more of a blockbuster experience, um, which it is comparatively. But again, like kind of just taking it all in for the first time in probably a decade since I had played it. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that it was a, it was still very. There was a lot of um, how do I say like yeah pacing issues mm. and. Uh, some, you could even just, I guess I'll just blurt it out. There were some parts I thought were just a little bit boring and, um, and tedious. Uh, and uh, so I think that, sadly, the, despite the, the best efforts, I think, from Yu Suzuki and the team, uh, I think that, they, that the franchise, one and two, which put together, I think is a, is a, it's a unique, it has a unique flavor to it. And it has an acquired taste. And I think you, myself, and presumably everybody in the Shinmu Dojo community really likes that flavor. Right. Mm. Uh, but I don't know. If, I don't know if it's like really uh, still like a, a mainstream friendly um, type of experience. It's yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it, it doesn't conform to what mainstream experiences are. Does it really? It's, it's its mm. own game. It's its own world. It's its own thought process, if you like. Um, and this sort of brings in another comment that came from the forums from a user called Mittens. I love that name. <laughs> yes. And and he he was saying that you could argue, and I'd be interested in your perception on this, is that actually, while the Shenmue audience isn't very big in terms of the wider mainstream gaming world out there, that actually it's found its market and it's fan base perfectly because they have stayed for the whole journey in terms of one, two, the big gap, Shenmue three, and hopefully beyond. What, what do you think about sort of that side of things? I, I agree with Mittens. I think that the franchise is really special. And for those who, who understand it and got the game, they really got it. Right. And they stick with it and they're very loyal. And I think the Kickstarter obviously is a huge testament to that uh, 60,000, plus mm. people, you know, putting their hard-earned money towards uh, a sequel to the game with the hopes and dreams that they all had. I think that really shows, yeah, the strength of that community and the game is special. It's it, and, and, and as, as painful as, as it for me to, you know, criticize some of the elements of of the first two games, uh, I still also say that it's one of my favorite game series of all time. And, uh, and, and yeah, so it did something very special. I think we all recognize that. And I think I have, if I could speak for the community, I think we just wish more people would, would, would could have had that experience or could have fallen in love with it as much as we do. Because at the end of the day, it's a it's a consumer product. Yeah. And the consumer and for us to 
get more of this consumer product. We need more people in our in this militia of diehard Shimo people that are willing to shell out the money. Uh, so the the business uh, all makes sense to develop uh, follow ups to this to the franchise. So uh, yeah, I think we're all we're all on the same page about that and. Yeah, I, I desperately want this thing to continue as much as everybody else does, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we do. And it's interesting you sort of you mentioned the business side of things, and sort of the way. I I I just wonder, thinking if you look at sort of Shenmue Three and the merchandise that's available out there, the different variations of of the game in terms of collector's editions, in terms of mm. I, have you seen the limited run? Um, yes, yes. Yeah. So, do you, I suppose my sort of thought around it is, is is have they realized that actually they've got a market in terms of the fan base the community and we are getting slightly trickles of new people are finding the games and, and enjoying them which is fantastic mm-hmm. but i think and this is this is all I'd, again i'd like your thoughts on it is my thoughts are they, they know the fan base and they know that when merchandise comes out or products that have shenmue on it they know from a business perspective that we're going to pick them up and buy them so does that in then in that sense add into the further viability of a potential extension of the series a fourth game or, or whatever whatever way it went do you think it adds to that absolutely uh, there's no doubt about it and i uh, that being said you the 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 kind of the, the different revenue streams it's a little bit confused, right? Because there's there's Sega that has the license, right, where they mm-hmm. get their cut, and then there's WiseNet as a developer, and then mm-hmm. you have Deep Silver, the publisher of, of Shenmue uh, three, but you also have Sega as the publisher of the HD one and two collection, um, and then you've got all the other uh, you know other other entities in the mix, such as such as Epic Game Store, Limited Run, and so on, and so. But holistically, the more that Shenmue products, including the upcoming anime, right? The more success that they have from a, a viewership perspective or a sales perspective, it's an easier conversation to have when business people look at their spreadsheets and say whether or not they should be funding a future extension of the franchise. Again, whether it's a game or it's an, it's an anime or, or what have you, right? And so, yeah, those the, the fans actually can influence the, the, uh, the future of Shenmue with their, with their hard-earned money. Um, but it's not a guarantee, as 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 you know. And I think I think one other int- really interesting uh, aspect of all this, which you 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 helped me realize, is that uh, we, as you know, we have this really hardcore community that we're a part of. Yeah. Uh, but and we're and we're a, we're fans of a relatively expensive type of game to make. Yeah. Which makes yes. the prospect even more difficult, right? It would be one thing if we were just diehard fans of uh, I don't know, like. I'm trying to think of a, a a a good a good game like I don't, I don't know the budget of this game at all, but like let's say or, Ori in the Blind Forest or Ori in the Will of the Wisps. Yeah. I would assume that Moon Studios uh, that their the budget for that game is is less than like a, a typical Shenmue game, right? Yeah. So you could presumably have a smaller community rally around uh, Ori, and then the the numbers make sense to make a sequel, and then make another sequel, and make another sequel. Now, granted, it's a very successful franchise, so. Not a great apples to apples comparison, but I think you get the point. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's another part of like I think the the misery that we all have to experience as Shenmue fans, right? Is because we not only have to convince business people to finance ex- future extensions of the of the product, and when it comes to games, that's a very expensive prospect. 
Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, looking at Shenmue 3 alone, I mean, I know it raised $6 million on Kickstarter, but when you consider that obviously a chunk of that is then lost to Kickstarter rewards, Kickstarter fees, and then you're trying to build an open world in the vein of the first two games, which we know are very, very expensive to develop. It's a challenge in itself in terms of getting that Shenmue feel, getting that, I'm trying to think of the words for it, getting that true sequel to it. And I felt Shenmue 3 did that very, very well in terms of setting the atmosphere and setting the tone and was a natural progression from Shenmue 2 in, in the way it presented itself. And yeah, let me, let me, sorry, carry on. Talk about that real. Yeah. Sorry. Let me, let me, let me address that real quick, Matt, because uh, this is an area that I think you and and, and your listeners know is a a topic that in the games industry, it's a little bit delicate to talk about when it comes to the money Mm. behind game development. And part of the reason that developers typically don't want to talk about it is because typically there is a, 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 a fairly large disconnect between the realities of, of running a business and how expensive it could be um, compared to what the average consumer thinks it should cost to make. Yes. So when yeah. they hear that this update or this DLC or this game is going to cost this many millions of dollars to create, uh, typically they're thinking like, what are you guys doing? Like having parties all day? Like how, <laughs> where, where are all those millions of dollars going? You know, um, like we're, yeah, we're, Who's who's driving around in Ferraris with these uh, with these massive budgets? <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, uh, unless we're talking about the big successful games, uh, there's there's nobody driving around Ferraris. In fact, like a lot of developers, myself included, have broken even or in fact lost money on on games because we're passionate about it. We keep putting ourselves, we put our savings towards development. And and I know for a fact that the the Shenmue development um, was done um, incredibly. Uh, in- incredibly uh, respectfully when it comes to the budget and, and very conservatively, I should say. Um, and in the budget that you know from the Kickstarter, in addition to some of the other uh, monies that they were able to uh, assemble, uh, the amount of content and technology that they delivered per dollar is extremely high. Uh, yeah. Compared to most developments. I, and, and, and it's something I'd agree with, and it, it sort of it'll feed into one of my next questions down the line. But I I do agree with you. I mean, I, I think Yuzuzuki quoted, I think it was around twenty million dollars was the final overall budget, and that was in an IGN Japan interview a while ago. And when you think about open world games, they cut yeah the, the the sort of the the main line was like Assassin's Creed, Grand mm-hmm. Theft Auto, they cost well beyond that. Well, oh, yeah. well beyond so they're, that. They're in the hundreds of millions of yeah. dollars. Yeah. So we wind it back to Shenmue 3 and what, what, we, what we have got from it. Criticisms aside, just, just for a moment, I think, we've ended up with a true sequel, which got, for me, the Shenmue atmospherics. It got the feel. It got mm-hmm. those things right, which maybe I came in thinking well, it's a Kickstarter project. It's not got the backing of Sega in terms of mm. financially. Maybe in my head, I sort of said, right, okay, it's not going to be like Shenmue 1 and 2 in terms of the content of those games. But if it gives me the Shenmue atmosphere and some Shenmue moments, I'm all in. But mm. we look at it and think, you've got the atmospherics, obviously, and the feel of the game. They've had to, like we said in, in part one of our sort of interviews, they've had to build that from scratch. 
They've yes. had no source code. They've had none of that reference material. So an insane amount of time has gone into building the systems of the game that work. Then you've got to consider motion capture for Rio's fighting, which motion capture, as we know, is not cheap. No matter mm. what level you go in, it's not cheap. You've got two dubs in there, fully voiced dubs in Japanese and English. Now, mm. I know from talking to some of the English voice actors, they they did some overtime work and they, they, they did some bits and pieces cheaper than they would have done normally because it mm -hmm. was Shenmue, which is fantastic. But again, right. it feeds into your point of dollar per dollar, what have we got? And to get a fully open world game with the content we had is phenomenal, considering the restraints they had. And also, one point I think is missed sometimes in this is, the, as far as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, when Deep Silver came in as the publisher in 2017, obviously they came in with a chunk of money. So the budget was never static. So how hard is it to plan in terms of what you're doing when you don't know your final budget? Well, that's a, an internal question for, for game developers. Uh, it's a it's very difficult, right? And I would, I would wager that for most large scale games that uh, as, as upwards of 90% of those games, they go over budget and they go mm. over, uh, uh, over time. And, uh, and I think that with, with especially with, with Shenmue 3, I, I believe that, that that budget was constantly in flux but it, you know it's it's very difficult to do it's very difficult to know to like call your shot years prior about how much it's actually going to cost and how and then when you're going to actually ship it but that is really the challenge and that is really what your job is to do as an executive producer and i know that you son took that job very seriously and i think uh, overall he did a really great job as we've talked about uh we we we, we understand the deficiencies of, of shimu 3 uh you know my biggest complaint obviously is the, the lack of mainline story content in the game uh, which really, as far as I'm concerned, has very little to do with the budget. I think that was just an oversight on his part. Um, and but th that all being said, that team, as you mentioned, Matt, uh, just did an incredible job recreating that that uh, the whole the whole genuine Shimu experience for um, a very uh, small amount of money comparatively to what they had prior. Uh, and uh, and and sorry to talk a little bit about my own project, but. In some ways, uh, Shemu reminds me of, of the development of Marvel's Iron Man VR, and I bring that up only because, uh, like most games that are built from scratch, you in, developers end up spending typically the vast majority of their time building systems, building the architecture, discovering what the game is about, and then they sp and then once they do that, they look at their they look at their calendar and they realize that they only have six months or maybe even less to actually make the real game. Uh, and and that's what and that's what you just scrambled to, to complete compared to uh, what sequels have um, and and mm -hmm. you might say well Shenmue three is a sequel well not in the traditional sense they weren't building mm -hmm. off the original code base as, as we mentioned right so they don't have the they don't have the luxury of just dusting off those old those tools and just and just iterating on them they were starting from scratch so same with Iron Man you know it was a big it was a big scramble towards the end to just make the video game uh, same thing with our first game Republic uh, and 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 like so many other uh, products I know, and I'm always very jealous of those who uh, of the developers who can actually just build off of the existing framework from the previous game. And you can look at, and then I'll, I'll also say this very bold and outlandish uh, uh, claim, and then we can move on. But um, my I have this whole thesis about how 
the vast majority of the greatest games of all time, the vast majority of, of people's favorite video games are sequels yeah. or they are uh, or they are quasi sequels, meaning uh, maybe they don't have a number two or number three after them, but they were they were they came out of previous experience or previous technology that that team had worked on before. It's very rare for a for a great game to come from a team that has never worked in that genre, who has never worked on a similar type of game, um, and just like kind of built that game out of the ether because of all those things I just described. It's, it's, you can almost count that on like on those those types of games on maybe on two hands, games like Portal, uh, Tetris. Um, and, and a handful of other games that come to mind. But like, yeah, typically speaking, uh, GoldenEye is another one. Uh, but typically, uh, those, those great games are, are built off of uh, previous successes. And you could even say that Shenmue was that way because of Virtual Fighter, right? Shenmue wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Virtual Fighter. No, it wouldn't. And it obviously had the core mechanic of the fighting system in there from Virtual Fighter. And mm-hmm. it was all built around that Virtual Fighter franchise, obviously then sort of morphed into its own, its own franchise its own story etc but i'm going to bring it sort of back in obviously we talk about the content of shenmue 3 itself and one thing that's sort of has been discussed around the community is obviously you mentioned the budget management and how actually diligent they were with it considering what they had Mm. there's been a few sort of comments around that maybe shenmue should have cut back on certain things like the two dubs like maybe instead of having two big open world areas just having one what i'm getting at is if they change the formula of shenmue for the budget or for for any other reasons be it to make it more mainstream or or whatever it is do you think it would alienate the community or, or and how does it strike the balance between attracting sort of the newer players into it but also keeping the core community the sort of the lifeblood if you like happy and keep us engaged how do you think that would work Mm. very difficult uh i'd like to uh, address this like through two different uh two different takes on it one is um uh to kind of get to the heart of the question is that i'm of the belief that shimu 3 would have greatly benefited from a reduction in scale and scope Mm. Uh, and that's that's sometimes difficult for a guy like me to say because like a lot of game directors, we it's kind of our job to push for scope. And it's typically the job of the developers, the boots on the ground to, to push back against scope, right? And it's this interesting tug of war throughout development. Um, and so I understand what Yusan was trying to do and he's being very ambitious with Shenmue 3. And I think in a way, in some ways, I think it was, it was overly ambitious, right? For the team that they had, the budget, the time that they had. And I think that the, the franchise would be even healthier today had Shenmue 3 been about half the length. Um, and I, I still like having the two towns. I still think that makes it feel like Shenmue, mm-hmm. but I don't know if we needed to have as much ancillary content and ancillary story content. I think if we could flip it around and have that that ratio be more focused on the main saga story content with less uh, ancillary new characters and those kinds of things, I think uh, the, the game would have benefited greatly from that. And then... And and then had the game benefited uh, from that, and the review scores had been higher, I think we would have had more people uh, playing Shenmue 3 uh, and being really fascinated by it uh, and seeing a higher level of quality too, because when you reduce scope, typically that increases the quality of the con- the remaining content. And so I think the, the content uh, would have been, uh, uh, just the quality would have been increased overall. That being said, I don't necessarily agree about the dubbing or like having uh, uh, 
um, scaling back the languages only because typically, and I don't, I don't, I don't know about the, the, the contract obviously between WiseNet and DeepSilver, but typically the, the voiceover budget, localization budget, QA is typically budget that's held by the, the publisher on that, mm-hmm. that those costs. So I, I'm, I'm, I would be surprised if that came out of the actual development dollars. Um, so those, those are those thoughts. And then here's what you think about that, Matt. And then I'll tell uh, a story about uh, the scope of and scale of Shenmue 3 once, once we're, once, we, once you're ready. Yeah, I, 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 I do agree with you. I think it's difficult. I think coming from where Shenmue 3 did in terms of wanting it to be a true sequel, I think there was a lot of pressure on it from the community. Mm-hmm. I think, and it sort of plays into another question of mine, again, we'll probably touch on in a minute, is, is what the fans expected for what, from for what they what the, the team had, so you're quite right. There's, there's this disconnect between the average consumer and what goes on behind the scenes in terms of what you can actually do. So I think there's a body of fans out there who, and they're not wrong to be thinking this. In terms of they are correct in terms of like you say, the story content isn't isn't there like it should be. Maybe they should have scaled it back. So it's I think they were in a very difficult position with what they had in terms of you would, well, not necessarily alienate, but you would maybe sort of employ some discontent in one area of the fan base had they, had they gone down for that um, sort of reduced scope, if you like, sort of instead of a 30-hour game, say 15-hour game, so and maybe not quite as open world as Shenmue 3 was, there's, there's a bulk of the community that have said they liked the fact it was open world because it felt like the first two games. It's a, it's a balancing act, isn't it, in terms of how... And it's an unenviable enviable, enviable position for, for WiseNet, I think, in some respects, because there's that expectation from the fans, also because the fans were keen bringing it back, I think. And my my own personal opinion on it is i think whatever they'd have done i think there would have been a reaction to it that wasn't all wasn't wasn't wholly positive i think you'd have always had some community members who would not have been happy with what came out because of their own expectations over 15 years and that's and that's down to the individual i think at the end of the day yeah i agreed and uh, but I, although I, I agree with you that there's, you, there's, you're never gonna be able to satisfy everybody. But I, I have to think that uh, had the game been 15 hours in length and had some of the ancillary content been cut and the overall quality of the game had gone up and there was more uh, mainline story content, that if, I'd have to, I'd like to think that a large portion of the Shimu community would be really happy about that and excited for the next game. Uh, uh, and and that, that's that's that in retrospect in my opinion, would, would have been the better move. But it's really difficult, to, again, like to call your shot really early on because, as you know, the, the fans are asking for everything. Uh, and then also, but Yusan also wants to provide it. You know, he wants mm. to give them an authentic con- uh, console experience or a sequel. And that kind of leads, nice, leads nicely into the story I was going to tell you. Because uh, I was thinking about ahead of this, this conversation we're having today, I was thinking this morning about what kind of stories could I share from the development. And I remembered back to... Uh, many years ago, this is prior to the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. uh, when there was a lot of discussion with between myself and Yusan and a, and a number of other individuals. Uh, back when still WiseNet was only two employees, so not any core development was even started, but we we're just talking about what the scope and scale and the vision for this game would be. 
And I was really challenging him to think about what, how could you deliver on an authentic Shenmue sequel um, while also not signing yourselves up for as many features as a Shenmue 1 or Shenmue 2 has, because just collecting the budget for that type of game would be pr prohibitively expensive, is what I told yeah. him. Um, but what ended up happening was Yusun, in Bless His Heart, uh, came back to me one day and said, okay, well, it's just going to be an extremely stripped-down version, almost like, imagine, like a Telltale-like experience. Yeah. Right? And and I remember thinking, oh, man, it was me and a couple of the individuals were at a dinner uh, at an Italian restaurant in Tokyo, and he was really fighting hard for this. And I said, look, I want the mainline story just as much as the, uh, as the next guy does, right? But if we're going to do a Kickstarter and we're trying to revive the Shemu franchise, I don't know if this kind of side story, and, uh, like not like mainline, not feeling like a real Shemu game type of experience would really set the community on fire and really revive the, the, the franchise as much as we want to. Right. Mm. Um, and we had a really, really healthy and, 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 and like impassioned debate about it. Um, and so at the end of the day, I, I guess I won I won the argument because he came back with this more uh, fully fleshed out vision for Shenmue 3. Uh, but I think the game that I had in my head and then the game that he had in his head were very different because then I remember going back, like fast forward a couple of years when development is really hitting uh, full gear on um, on Shenmue 3. And I remember going in and ch checking in on the game and thinking like, whoa, wait, you guys are making you guys are making that too? And you guys are doing that system as well? You're bringing that system back too? And you're going to do these new things? This is this is extremely ambitious and uh and also a little bit worrisome right <laughs> to a certain extent but look i could see the fire in yusuzuki's like eye he was going to do it he was going to deliver on a, on a genuine shinbu game and so it was interesting that those kind of the pendulum would swing back and forth throughout the initial ideation phase of development and uh i think again like where he landed out was like probably a little bit too ambitious but uh, i respect i had i respect the hell out of him for 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 doing that it wouldn't be yusuzuki and his games if he didn't i think mm -hmm. exactly i think if, if he had it and it is difficult because you have to strike a balance but if he'd have compromised on his own ambitions to it would i would it have lost its soul i, it, I, I think that was at risk i think that would be at risk as much as some people, there's people in your community, I, I know that say that sometimes, like, just give me the story. It could be in a manga, it could be an anime, it could be, like, in a book. But just give me the story. And I understand that, because I, I, to a certain extent, I'm, I feel that way sometimes, too. But uh, I, uh, every time I talk to you, son, I, I just remind them, I said, look, let's, let's at least try every single thing we can to make sure that we finish this, this saga uh, in the way that it started, right? Through a game, through this type of yeah. game. Uh, yeah, and unlike you, for, for me, if it's like the anime and everything around it, it's only good for the series. But I, I, I mm -hmm. and I've said it publicly many, many times. I, I, I want Shenmue to be concluded in game form. I yes. and I understand the, the the limitations around budget and and the size of the community, the market, etc. But for for me, it's, it, it, I love the I love Shenmue deeply. And it's it's my favorite series of all time, but it would lose a part of that magic for me if it wasn't a game. And that's just my opinion. Mm. And I'm sure there's others sure, out sure. there who who share that. Um, but but for me, if it wasn't a game, I'd, of course I'd be behind it. Absolutely, it's Shenmue. I, I will be behind it all the way. 
but on a personal level it, it would just lose some of that magic for me and despite the, the limitations around what obviously they had with Shenmue 3 and 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 all the all the valid criticisms that are out there they still delivered for me a piece of magic and I'll go to um I think it's Rainbow Basin in Bailey Village where they come across the the it's referred to in the translation as a second Shenmue tree but I'm not sure I'm not sure if it is or not or whether that's a mm. translation error but you mm. see the mark on the tree from where someone's been training and it gives you that little mm. cutscene to Rio and his dad and the cherry tree in, in the Hazuki Dojo. And it starts right. playing Memories of Distant Days. And th that's what Shenmue's about for me. It's that magical moment where it, uh, it, it hits you in the right place. It hit the right emotions there for me. And so for, from a personal perspective, I felt the game was successful in doing that. But I would be remissive to overlook the valid criticisms in terms of the story content and maybe some of the systems that are involved. I know the stamina system is one that divides opinion quite heavily within our community. <laughs> and I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Oh yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because uh, one of the, the completed pieces of homework that I brought to this conversation is I end up uh, looking over my, my, my notes from uh, just before release of the game. Uh, so I'll, uh, if, you're, if that's okay, Matt, I'll just share some of my own please, notes that I have. Yeah, please do. Yeah, please. Uh, so just as, for a little bit of context before I go into them, uh, you know, I had the really distinct privilege and honor to be able to play the game throughout development and uh, and be able to provide feedback. And I provided feedback in the form of many hundreds of pages of notes um, with screenshots and scribbles on them and. And I would send them out to the team and work with them on and trying to resolve some issues and uh, also help to uh, organize play tests um, here in the Seattle area to help um, further uh, give the team good information about what actual players are, are how they're experiencing the game uh, and, and helping kind of guide the, the direction uh, and the focus of the game um, in its in its remaining months of development. And, and so, yeah, just to give you kind of a glimpse, like, Again, it was many months of me providing notes, but I was just kind of dusting off one from pretty pretty close to, to the to the release. And I, I'm curious if some of my feedback aligns with the rest of the, the communities. But uh, one of the things I was uh, asking for, which I think I actually got in at the last second, was I wanted to make sure that the t uh, that the player had a warning message before uh, they leave Bailu Village, um, because uh, before prior to release, you would just go up to the tower and it would just kick you out to Nyawu, and that was it. Um, <laughs> you were you couldn't go back to Bailu Village, obviously. And mm -hmm. it was a surprise, and you, if you didn't complete any of the subquests and things like that, it was a little bit uh, disappointing. So I think they actually added that. That was really nice, but that was yeah. one of my bits of feedback towards the end. The other thing that didn't get addressed, which I think um, a lot of people are aware of, and I wish it had been addressed, was that the the economy was, a, was, was, pretty, was pretty rigid and pretty punishing. And I really wish that uh, those, those difficulty spikes when it comes to you know, collecting, you know, 5,000 UN for certain items. Uh, it's just, it was, it was a little bit too much. And I, I begged and pleaded with Yuzu Suzuki uh, about that. And he, he, he won at the end of the, he, he won that, that battle, but I'd like to think that I won the war because a lot of people <laughs> in the, in the reviews called that out. And I could say like, Hey dude, like, yeah, uh, yeah I was right. But Hey, all, all's well, ends well, I guess I'm looking over some stuff that was also addressed, but it's not necessarily perfect, but um, in development, there was a lot of, uh, 
I had a lot of issues with some of the controls and some of the locomotion, which actually were ironed out a lot uh, before release. Uh, they have a one of one of the uh, engineers over at uh, WiseNet named Eric. He's just a, an absolutely brilliant, brilliant guy, and he's behind a lot of systems in this game. He did such great work. A uh, good close personal friend of mine, um, and uh, he, I would I would get on calls with him and say like. Hey, this doesn't feel like exactly like I would imagine you know, would feel like if I'm coming back from like the the, the Dreamcast games, and he took that feedback really really well, um, and we worked really closely to make sure that it didn't feel like too much like a modern game where you could just you know do everything you would want to do like an Assassin's Creed game because that yeah. wouldn't necessarily feel like like uh, controlling uh, Ryo Hazuki, but it also you know wasn't as stiff as maybe it was in the past, and so trying to find that delicate balance, I don't think we really hit it perfectly. But I think I think the team did a good job. As I'm looking over my notes, I think he was able to address a lot of those issues. I don't think you were far off with it in terms of the feel of the game and the way he just thinking of playing it. Because I was playing it um, a couple of weeks ago. He don't. I think it's not too far off. I think you. Yeah. If if a Shenmue Four was to come out, I think they'd they'd nail that that particular bit mm-hmm. on the head. And agreed, agreed. And I, There's a little um, bit left work left to go, but I think you're right. I think they got pretty close. Yeah, and again, it's it's testament to that. Obviously, that feedback being taken on and, and listened to, and but again, I think that's part part of your role as also because you're a fan at the end of the day as well. So you're coming at it from not just a business point of view and a and a development point of view, but as a fan. So it it works both ways, doesn't it? In that respect, in terms of the feedback you're giving, you're giving it mm. because it's derived from a feel from the original too. Mm. Yes, exactly. Um, so it's, it's looking over my notes a little bit more but uh i i i one thing i try to do and i think if if anybody in, in your community ever has the opportunity to give feedback whether it's on a video game or anything else right it's always a, it's always good to 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 balance your feedback with the negative along with the positive yeah of course. um that, that way the team knows that you've you've got their back and then you also need to remind them of what is good so like they don't actually go and try to change it <laughs> um and one of the things that i remember just being really thrilled about, I don't know how you felt about this map, but when you're in the, in the, in the second, in the second town, uh, and you get on the, you, you can actually make those phone calls right to those classic Shenmue, um, yeah. uh, characters and like the setup for that in the camera angle on the look of the phone. And then like the video playback that they do for some of those things. I just thought that was really, really well executed. And I was really delighted when I got to that part of the game. I was really pleased with it. Cause, um, Obviously, it was mentioned in the Kickstarter in terms of there was going to be international phone mm-hmm. calls, but it was it, for for me it was almost, it was in my head of I want to be able to call home, I want to be able to call the people I've spoken to previously. So for me, when they when it turned out you could call you, know, you could call the dojo, you could call Nozomi, you could call Guiza. It, for me, it, it was what I had in my head of how I thought it would feel. So actually, for me mm. personally, I really enjoyed those those calls and. As a Kickstarter backer, I had the um, Kickstarter card with it, so I, I spent I don't know how long sitting there just listening to all the conversations and nice. get, getting those out. So yeah, I I completely agree. I think that was a very well executed um, point on it. And actually, I for me personally, another thing I thought they executed very sort of well. They didn't quite hit the mark, but I think there's certainly room for improvement. And actually, I thought the fighting system worked once you got your head around it and. If I was giving feedback on it, and this is me personally, I'd be mm-hmm. saying it needs a better tutorial. Mm-hmm. Given that we've come from a virtual fighter system or new players who we pick it up for the first time and it comes up and it says, hit these buttons, but it doesn't give you much else. 
Mm-hmm-hmm. And I know Shenmue's about discovery and about feeling your way through these things, but I think for for new people coming in or certainly older players coming back, it could have done with a tutorial in terms it didn't it wouldn't need to be very, very long. It wouldn't need to hold your hand necessarily, but it just needed a bit more fleshing out, I think, around how that system worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh yeah, that's that's an area that I think the the WiseNet team has heard loud and clear about the the battle system, and they 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 knew that there was um it wasn't hitting the mark all the way, including with the tutorial, right? They just ran out of time, and uh, but again, I think given the resources that they had and <laughs> like knowing what they had to go through to even get it to that level, I just have like the utmost respect for them, and I agree with you. I think like yeah, once you once you really get down to like the nitty gritty of the, of its of its nature, it, it it it's pretty good, but I think that. I know that they they wish it could have been a little bit better. Yeah, and again, it's as it, it, it sort of goes back to a point we've made already is that that core system is now in existence. They've built it, so they, exactly, all they can do exactly. is all they can do is improve upon it and use that exactly. as a basis right. to go forward. And I know he, I know Yusan himself has said that he he wants to put throws back in into the into the system. Yes, and I know that was that was that a was big good. big bit of feedback that we were, we kept getting consistently, which I was actually surprised by. Um, I remember thinking it when I was playing an earlier build of the game. But it didn't bother me to the level that it bothered some players that we would come in and have them play. And mm-hmm. they were just saying, like, I guess, like, the throw system was just a really big and integral part of that experience for a lot of people who played Shenmue 1 and 2. Uh, versus, like, somebody like me, I guess I just didn't do it as much. Um, but, yeah, it was very important to a lot of people. And um, and I'm and I'm happy that Yusan, uh, if there is a sequel, that he really wants to make that a priority. Yeah, and so um, I think the basis of that comment or that feedback is from from some people. Obviously, in in Shenmue Two, you learn the counter outbell assault, which is exactly it is a counter attack. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think in Shenmue Three, it doesn't have that essence of a counter attack because you haven't got that system in place for it. Right. Which is, I think that's where some of the feedback comes from in terms of the throws. I think I'm with you. I was more when I played the originals. I used striking a lot more. So the new system felt a bit more natural, but right. I can see where people are coming from in terms of the throw system. And also he, he, he does jujitsu, which is a heavily throw-based martial art, mm-hmm. which again, it's, but it doesn't, they've taken that feedback on and hopefully with, hopefully when we see a Shenmue 4, we'll have that throw system in place and it'll just, that, that fighting system be tightened up. And I think, when you delve into the, the nitty gritty of, of it in terms of stringing combinations together, actually it flows together really nicely. There's some nice combinations mm. in there and the moves look really smooth. It's mm. like you say, I think they they ran out of time they re- and they needed to get the game out. So well, I think certainly from my perspective, I recognize that actually there is a, a core system there that isn't very far off being excellent. It right. just needs refinement. Agreed. Yeah, so I it, totally agreed feeding into sort of a point we picked up earlier around fan expectations mm. um do you think the fan expectations influenced um the community's reaction to the to the final product when it came out oh uh, yeah i think it's impossible for it not to right um and i think that i i, I followed the release uh, very closely the the reactions to the to the to the game very closely and I really stand by uh, what I told you, son, going uh, into the release, which is that uh, they should be very proud of what they built, which we mm. you and I've talked about a lot today. Um, but there are these like really big outstanding issues uh, that the community, I think, is, is right to you know wish had been better or there had been more inclusion of certain things. 
and uh and yeah they they were the first people to get their hands on the game um for the most part because as you know like even the game reviews were, were were held back quite a bit yeah and so uh i think a lot of people in the i guess from from what i could tell a lot of like the onlookers like there's a lot of, like there's a lot more people who played shemu than who are shemu hardcore fans obviously yeah so there are people that are a lot of people are familiar with this franchise and i from what i could tell is that a lot of people were waiting and seeing to see how the community reacted to it uh and because it wasn't 100 percent positive i think the the there's a lot of folks that who are on the fence decided that maybe this is not their game the game for them or they're going to wait till the game comes up on steam or, or something like that so uh yeah i think that the the fan community had a, had a big uh, big influence on the game's release and its and its overall reception which i think is appropriate because it was it's a game built for the fans ultimately yeah absolutely it's, it's funny you bring sort of steam into it um i know we sort of looked at this um this afternoon it, it came into the top 20 of november sales in steam actually based on um, oh, two-week revenue so i was really pleased to see that yes because I know it's had, depending on what you read in the media, um, in terms of its sales, haven't necessarily. I don't, I don't know the sales numbers or anything, but some media outlets would have you believe it completely bombed, and I don't mm. necessarily think that's the case. And seeing it do that well on Steam, it, it, I don't know. It's music to my ears a little bit, but I'm biased. No, it's good. No, of course. I mean, we all want it to be successful, right? Even for the for the for the players who didn't like the game, I, I would have to think that they ultimately want to be successful so uh there's there's more content coming down the pipe right uh, yeah absolutely and it's i think you're right in terms of had the reception been better i think more people have picked it up but actually when you you think about it in terms of what we've got coming forward for shenmue mm. we have an anime which sort of come out of left field a little bit um there's plenty of merchandise out there now um, and i've I believe more is probably coming. I, and my wallet is probably screaming at me to not buy anything else. And my wife sure. is probably saying the same thing. Yeah, um, yeah, you should, yeah, I won't. Uh, yeah, she'll kill me. Um, but I think, I think we, we, we're in such a better position now, despite the, the valid criticisms, but also the quality of product that has come out. And the team should be proud of what, Shenmue 3 is because it is a wonderful experience and it's a game I love but I think we, we are and tell me if you disagree but I think we're in a far better position now than we were could it be better maybe but of course I don't yeah, know. it could be a lot better it could be a lot better Matt but I agree with you that we're in a much better position now than we were in 2013 2014 and all the years many years prior to that right where it was just nothing right yeah uh, yeah, if you compare to where we were six years ago, seven years ago, uh, Yusun was not you know, doing much game development. WiseNet was two employees. Um, there was no Shenmue 3, there's no Kickstarter. Um, and it was kind of a distant memory. It was just, it was just a franchise that you, you, the Shenmue Dojo community knows this very well. It was just, it was just a, it every once in a while, like have a blip on the radar because it would appear on some, I don't know, websites like top 10 mm. most wanted or most sought after. Uh, video game franchises or something like that. That was basically its claim to fame for so long. And now we've got uh, you know a new game that came out recently. Uh, it's uh, We've got uh, many, many, many more people who are familiar with the franchise now that they never were familiar with it before. We've got this upcoming anime yeah, that I think is worth getting excited about. And the most important thing, though, is that Yusan is still leading up WiseNet. It's still 
filled with lots of really talented developers. They've got this baseline of, the, of Shenmue 3, and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do next. Um, and, and we don't know what it's going to be. Uh, they're still figuring that out. But, uh, uh, you know, I think like everybody else, I hope that, uh, that they have another opportunity to work in Shenmue. And so that, I think just by definition, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, things are much better now than they were, you know, six or seven years ago. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I, I, and we've, we've, we've touched on this before, I think the anime, I think could be key to that, actually, in terms of attracting new people. Because mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Not everybody is going to want to play a game from 1999, 2000 to catch up with the story. So right, I mean, right. I, I'm, be, I'm being presumptuous now, but assuming it catches up to the end of Shenmue 3 and you've got a good good base of people following the anime who then discover the games because of the name we're all at the same point mm-hmm. in terms of the story so then you from a from a business perspective and I'm again t- if I'm talking out of turn please tell me I'm and t- you know, mm. correct me but I think if you've got it just adds to the viability of the fourth game in terms of you've got that anime crowd who can come across, plus you've got the community, that hardcore community that is still there. Put that together, and I think you, your market's much wider. Absolutely. Agreed. Um, the, the, for, for, for folks like you and me who want more, more Shenmue games, the best, one of the best things that can happen is if that, if that anime really takes off, right? Yeah. As you mentioned. Um, it's gonna. It, it'll just create like a much better and more healthy ecosystem of content, uh, and it'll be make it those conversations a lot easier to to have get to get proper funding for future titles, and because the anime is just doing so well. So, I'm just just like you and everybody else is hoping that that they just do a, an incredibly good job with it, that people get behind it, that they get excited about this really great franchise and storyline that we love, and uh, yeah, and then I, uh, I'm I'm always like a I'm I'm, I'm an eternal optimist and I, I feel good about things. Uh, I was actually um, just catching up with Yusan uh, just last night over the phone. I'm um, just hearing about some of the, the stuff that he's been working on. And um, I was just encouraging him like I always do, right? And as long as we have, he's got, he's surrounded by people that love him and, uh, and, and want him to be successful, I have to think that he's going to, he's going to, he's going to be able to continue to keep this thing going. And uh, as fans, we can continue to see, you know, more, more and more uh, Shenmue content. Um, I'm going to move away from Shenmue very quickly because there's something I did sure, want sure. to cover before before i um release you to the world um two things actually the first one is obviously around the new generation of consoles and the technology in them how, how do you think that's going to influence games going forward so and, and maybe even for, for your studio camouflage well uh i'm very lucky that i have both uh, the 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 new PlayStation and new Xbox consoles, and I love them. I think they're really, really excellent pieces of hardware. Uh, the, the 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 solid state drive is a game changer in a lot of mm-hmm. ways, and um, it actually impacts and in, in positively impacts the way that I'm playing games. I found actually um, because I used to get into this rhythm. I would imagine that some of your listeners get into as well. In that uh, you play a little section of the game, then you hit a loading screen, and mm-hmm. then that's when you check your phone or you yeah. kind of just get disconnected. Yeah. Um, and it also, so not only does it keep you more engaged, but what I also found is that it changed my behavior when I'm playing Demon Souls, for example. So mm-hmm. uh, if you'd allow me to digress real quick, I, uh, I, was, I, I, I finished Demon Souls a few weeks back. And what I noticed what was happening was that I thought, you know what, I have to, sadly, I do have to farm for this item uh, and I know where to get it. And I'm just going to, but 
I decided to do it mainly because it's far less painful than it used to be. Because again, I'd have to warp to the space and then go back to the Nexus and then warp back to that space. And if I was playing this thing on PS3, uh, it would have taken about half or about twice the amount of time. Uh, but because I knew that those load times, I was like, wait a second, yeah, this is actually really fast for me to reload the space and go back in here and then farm this thing. It actually like changed the way I played the game because I wasn't trying to avoid load times uh, is a better way to put it. So I thought that was interesting. That being said, though, uh, and I hate to like come off a little bit as a curmudgeon when it comes to this, is that I think the new hardware is great, but mm. I don't think it's going to fundamentally impact the way that games are developed and or enjoyed by consumers as much as cloud gaming is going to be. And uh, you, 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 you might be listening and think like, oh, here we go. Uh, here's like, here's somebody who, have you ever <laughs> played like a cloud game? Like my internet provider doesn't allow me to do it. Or what happens when the internet goes out? Or yes. Uh, oh, what about my data cap limits? Yes. Uh, what the technology is not there yet? Yes. Like all the reasons why in the short term you, you may think that, uh, that cloud gaming is, is just not, not for you. Totally understood. And probably most likely I agree with you. But as the infrastructure, internet infrastructure um, becomes more, um, more robust, as 5G becomes uh, actually more of a mature technology, um, and, then, and then as these larger uh, players in the industry uh, invest more and more technology, R&D, into these efforts, and, and then lastly, as developers have more access to these, to these tools and are able to utilize um, uh, you know, cloud-based uh, uh, CPU, GPU, other technologies, right? Um, that is when things are going to really, really change. And, um, and it is actually, quite frankly, um, not related to, next to, the, to the newly released consoles because just by the pure nature of cloud gaming, you could, you could be playing, in theory, on any sort of device, no matter how powerful it is. So for me, that is really where the future of, of where game development is going to really change. And, I'm, and I'm, I, I couldn't be more excited about that. I, yeah, I can agree with you, too, actually. I, I was part I managed to sign up for the beta of xCloud actually and I was um oh nice and I was very impressed with it and how solid it was I mean I've, I'm lucky to enough to live in a town with a really good internet connection um but I, I I think as well one thing with cloud gaming is you take the expense out of owning a console or a pc because it's that's a big overlay or outlay isn't it when you buy a console for the, like the new playstation yeah it was, it was 425 pounds in the uk right or right. if you go and buy like a high-end gaming PC, you could be paying thousands of dollars for something like that. You remove right. that barrier completely by paying, yes, I don't know, $25 a month or whatever they, they charge at the moment. And that's more palatable to users, I think, isn't it, as well, in terms of if you've got someone who's on the fence about coming into the gaming world, but they see $25, $25 pounds a month, they go, do you know what? I'll give it a go. It's not that much compared to buying a console and then they get hooked and they're in and then they're in that system and i think it's just going to widen gaming in terms of in terms of its accessibility as well it can only yeah, be a good right. thing i think you're right when you look at the the proliferation of, of of gaming and you look at uh how many consumers out there enjoy games uh and you look at the history of that graph uh it it's a it has a pretty modest year-on-year year gain and obviously comes out of initially commands comes out of the united states mm -hmm. uh, with atari right um and then you have uh and then another there's a, another handful of like you know like commodore 64 obviously out of out of the uk and, and japan but you're talking about primarily you know japan north america and 
Western Europe. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, you know, PC gaming, it starts to really take off, but you see this massive spike in, 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 in people who would declare themselves as being gamers. Mm. And that is specifically because of the smartphone. Um, and, and that is a device that is in the hands of literally billions of people across the planet who are finally starting to consume gaming content because they didn't have to go to the store, as you mentioned, Matt. Like, they didn't have to go to drop hundreds of dollars onto a gaming console or thousands of dollars, even $500 for, for a relatively inexpensive PC. Mm. Um, they just have, they have the gaming device in their pocket. And that was just a massive step towards the global, um, uh, just a global takeover of gaming really as in it as like the primary entertainment um, uh, pastime for so many people now. And so, yeah, once, but the, what the, what's ironic about it all is that you've got now, which console, console gamers not, do not like to talk about this, but the, re, the re, reality of it is that like the games that we all talk about, Shenmue, Halo, GTA, what have you, right, are still um, only a small part of that conversation when you look at the global market, right, and yeah. what the games that the global, like the, the, the global consumers playing. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited about cloud gaming to bring it all back is because once cloud gaming becomes much more uh, popular and accessible, on any device across the world, assuming that these larger companies can figure these, these partnerships out. Now, finally, we could have these, these uh, players in India or in Brazil or other parts of the world um, in the Middle East that might've like fallen in love of game with gaming because of Candy Crush or Clash of Clans or Angry Birds, right? But now we can finally present to them these really great experiences, such as um, you know, like the, the console games and the PC games that we all love, Shemu included, and that I, I just I just can't wait for, for for that to hopefully become a reality. I don't think it's far off. I, I know Microsoft are on a real big drive for it at the moment. You've got Stadia as well. Um, you've got the Amazon variant has just come out. And the name eludes me right now. Oh uh, yeah, Lumia, right? That's it. And then obviously you've got Sony looking at looking at it with PlayStation now, aren't they as well? So they're they're dipping their toes. It won't be long, I don't think. It won't be long. Yeah, Nvidia, uh, GeForce Now. Oh uh, yeah, another of course. Player. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Steam uh, uh, tried to tries to try to do something about this in the short term. But yeah, there's going to be there's going to be uh, failures and there's going to be successes, and it's going to be very fast. It's going to be fascinating to see who wins because who comes out on top because there's a lot of money at stake. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's where. It, yeah, very much so. And okay, my my last question because I'm I'm, I'm yes, aware of, of the time. If it is, um, what are your game or games of the year for 2020? Well, as a um, as a diehard Shimu fan, uh, this will probably come uh, to your audience as a major surprise. But my game of the year this year is Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, and I typically don't play those types of games. I typically don't play multiplayer games. I'm more of a story-driven person. Uh, but uh, as during the development of, of Marvel's Iron Man VR, um, we had to we had to survive uh, many 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 challenges and and, mm. and and overcome many challenges throughout development, especially this year, right? With with the pandemic and having to go remote. Um, and Warzone came out right around that time, and a coworker of mine who is a um, is a self-prescribed like communist or socialist, um, depending <laughs> on the day. Uh, the last person that you would ever expect to say like, "Hey Ryan, we should play Call of Duty Warzone together." Like I thought, I think it was half of like a joke, but he was like, he went through with the joke. Um, 
because he knows that I'm not like really into those games anymore. And we ended up playing it and just having a great time. Uh, and then we started to call up other people in the office and say like, hey, once you guys are done after a long days of work working on Iron Man, like why don't we gather around and, and Call of Duty Warzone, this free-to-play battle royale version of Call of Duty, and play. And we just got really into it because it's got the great mechanics of, of battle royale. But it also has the really amazing and have been for a long time, like just the core moment-to-moment uh, mechanics of, of Call of Duty. The, 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 gun, the gun play is great. The, the, the audio is great. Um, the visuals are great. And so, yeah, it just became like our, our kind of like, I don't know, like our after-hours pub, if you will, after yeah. work. And yes, of course we're playing, of course we're competitive, but we're, we're also just talking about the day. Like, oh, did you see that message we got from, you know, Sony about this? Or like, oh, we got to make sure that we respond to Marvel tomorrow. Or what do you guys think about this? It just became this ritual we had every night. And it was, um, it was surreal. And because, because, because we couldn't meet each other in real life, it, um, I'm not ashamed to say that that was my favorite game of this year. And it was a really important, um, a really important game for me for, for um, the most, most part of 2020 is Call of Duty. Would you have, yeah? You wouldn't put money, would you put money on saying that at the start of the year? <laughs> uh, no, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. I would be thinking uh, my game of the year would probably be Cyberpunk. Um, that's probably what I would have uh, expected, even though I haven't had a chance to play it yet. But um, yeah, I would I would not have expected that, Matt. But it was a, it was a pleasant surprise, and I and I recommend it for people. It's uh, it's I think it's a really good game. I'm awful at it. But it's good fun. I will say that it is, it's good fun. I'm I, I, too. I, I suck. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's embarrassing actually, embarrassingly bad. But you know, it's, it's one of those things you can sit down and just I don't know, just cut things off and just have however long and just enjoy it. And I think that's what games are at the end, of, and what games should be is you sit down, and you enjoy that game for whatever reason, and that's what gaming is for me. As a, and that what it was as a kid, and it's what it is now. It's a it's something that is is a pastime, something that I'll always enjoy, and I think that's the core of what I think anybody that I speak to in the who I have spoken to in the industry says. As long as you're enjoying it, it doesn't matter what you're playing or what you're playing it on. You're playing games, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, we, at the end of the day, that's what we're we're just rallying around is like the enjoyment behind these these franchises that we we found connections with with for whatever reason or, or, or another, right? Yeah, exactly. Right, Ryan. I'm gonna bring us to a close there because we've gone All right. well over the hour. Unless you, unless you want to hang around, I don't want to get you in trouble. Oh no, I should probably. Uh, I should. I should go uh, get, get back to work. Uh, this is my last day at the at the office, technically, and then we're, we're on holiday. And um, wishing you uh, and your listeners a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Um, appreciate all you do, Matt, and your colleagues in the community and. Uh, just, like as always, I just want everybody to know uh, just how much I love and, and respect you all. And um, you know, I'm fighting every single day I can to to try to support this this uh, this franchise that we all love. And um, just wish me luck. And just keep please just keep encouraging me and and you, son, and the team. And um, hopefully, we just have more and more things to celebrate in the Shamu franchise moving forward. Mm-hmm.